Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I am here with our communications guru, expert co-host, Aaron Mercer. Did wow, you... I like that. I'll take it. Oh, you'll take it? Yeah. And then with our fantastic, remarkable producer, Nathan Yoder. We are in the midst of a series. We're partnering with Northeastern Seminary, Browncroft Community Church, um, on a series on spiritual practices. And today we have a fun, semi-interesting topic of why should I have a Sabbath? Aaron, what are your initial thoughts? I think this is a very interesting uh, topic. I, I love the topic of Sabbath. I think it's something that we, in our country especially, probably have quite a bit of trouble with. So I'm really excited to uh, dig into this some more. So really glad to, to have this conversation. Great. Yeah, and uh, we're interviewing Dr. Ben Espinosa. Um, uh, my first interaction with Ben was um, I was on a phone call planning these podcasts, and he popped into Rebecca Taylor's office, and he's like, I want to talk about the Sabbath. I said, done, <laughs> That's episode. <right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. It that great. is so. So there we go. Asking you shall receive. That's right. Here we go. Well, Ben, you're here. You're fun. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Well, it's so good to be here with you all. Uh, just excited to, to be chatting with you about a topic I'm passionate about and a topic that I'm continually learning about. So I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Um, go blue. I, I actually went to Michigan State University, which is green and white, but I am actually a Michigan fan, so there's that. <laughs> uh, grew up in a, in a great Christian family, great Christian home. Uh, got a degree in Bible from Cedarville University. Went to Asbury Seminary in Kentucky. Uh, served in different roles at Asbury Seminary. Uh, served as a pastor for several years in Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, I picked up a PhD in, in higher education along the way at Michigan State. And my, my wife is brilliant. She has a PhD as well. Uh, she's much smarter than me. I just play I just play a smart person on TV and in real life. Uh, so there's that. We have two wonderful boys, a three-year-old named Leonardo and a one-year-old named Elijah. So just blessed to, uh, to be here uh, with you all. Be blessed. I'm blessed to be at Roberts Wesleyan College and Northeastern Seminary, and I'm just looking forward to a great conversation today. Wow. So I, we, we actually had not met before, but now I know I like him even more because you're a Cedarville grad, which yeah. I'm a Cedarville grad. What? I know. What Crazy. I know it. Uh, I was 2001. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So, but uh, you, you said that, and I immediately thought, man, you must have had a hard time if you were a Michigan fan at Cedarville, because it's a, it's a, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. we've got, Peter and I, we've got the Patriots-Jets thing going on here, okay. but Ohio-Michigan is, it's kind of a big deal, it, so. It, it was rough. It was, it was never Michigan. It was always the school up north. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of weird. People feel very strongly about that. They do. On both sides. So, but yeah, that's where I've landed. But I'm, I'm here in Western New York. So um, go Bills, I guess. Yeah. Right? There, you go. yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's kind of back up. Um, Aaron's going to ask you about your book on Star Wars. So we're, we're going to go there. Yeah, that's coming. That's sure, coming. That's, sure, that's, sure. Teaser so, for anyone watching this, don't tune out yet. Star Wars is there coming. There you go. So yeah. you literally said this. You said, I'm passionate about the Sabbath. So I, I'm thinking about Tom Habershaw from uh, Parks and Rec, Treat Yourself. Treat Yourself, yep. Treat, and then I'm thinking about our American culture, mm -hmm. which is, hey, you know, I'm gonna work seven days a week. I'm gonna quote Bill Belichick, no days off. So how does someone become passionate about the Sabbath? Well, it's actually an interesting story and it really comes from my experience living in the year 2020. As we know, 2020 was just a terrible year for a lot of people, right? So let me tell you about my 2020. So January 2nd, I get my job at Roberts Wesleyan College 
and I'm commuting back and forth between Michigan and New York. So week here, week in Michigan for like two months, essentially. Late January, I defend my doctoral dissertation, which is a whole big thing. And then we put our house in the market. Uh, my, my wife and I and our, three, and our two-year-old son at the time, she was pregnant with our one-year-old. We decided to move to New York um, to be near my job at Roberts Wilson College in early March. And we move in with my in-laws. So I've got a new job. Uh, moving in with my in-laws, uh, have a wife with a baby on the way, and all of a sudden, a week or two later, the pandemic happens, so we have to go in lockdown. Now, imagine living with your in-laws, with a wife who's pregnant, uh, with a two-year-old, and we're just experiencing this, whole, experiencing this whole thing together, right? So I moved here to become part of this wonderful community we have at Roberts Wesleyan College, and now I don't really get to experience it. Mm. So that's my march there. And in April or so, I start to get these bumps on my hands. Now, I've never really had these bumps on my hands before, but come to find out that they're related to stress. Mm. So I put some lotion. I try to try to chill a little more and uh, they went away. May comes and our one year old or now one year old, our baby Elijah is born in May. In June, we move into our new house in Spencerport, which is sort of in the country ish. I kind of came from the city, but it's sort of in the country. So it's just a little bit of a different space. So new job, finishing up my dissertation, uh, having a baby, living with my in-laws, uh, the global pandemic, the fear of going out, the lack of community I'm experiencing, those kinds of things, made me very, very stressed out. And around that time when my son was born, I started to get these eye twitches. I never had eye twitches before. I, I didn't know what the deal was. So that went away eventually. And then like a month or two later, I started to get this terrible back pain. And I, I've never really experienced bad back pain before. A lot of people do, but I just haven't. So I start to get really, really worried. I'm like, what is going on here? I have these bumps on my hands. I got these eye twitches. I have this terrible back pain. I don't know what the deal is. So late July or so, the, the back pain just gets so much worse. And I'm not sleeping at all. I'm barely eating or anything. And um, I go to the doctor and I say, run every single test that you can on me because there's something wrong. I just don't know what the deal is. So ran every single test. Here I am, not sleeping for a couple weeks, have my back pain, other parts of my body hurt as well. And he runs all the tests and he's like, other than you're a little low on your B12, you're perfectly fine. I'm just like, well, what's the deal then? And he's like, I think you're just stressed out. So after you know seeing some counselors and talking to mentors and trying to get some good habits in my life, I, I start to realize I definitely am stressed out. I've pushed myself to the max. I've endured a lot of transition and change within such a small period of time. Now, a lot of people have had a terrible 2020. You know, family members have gotten COVID, have passed away from COVID, the racial reckoning that we have in our nation, a contentious election. Uh, and for me, it was just a lot to handle at that time. So I started to pour into scripture and, you know, uh, it was really my relationship with God that really got me through it. Because when you're not sleeping, when you can't eat, when you have no rest, what else do you have other than your relationship with God? And Jesus says, you know, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So I started to try and get these habits into my life of, of rest and just trying to, to build into myself a little more and give myself a little bit of a break from work. And I stumbled onto this idea of Sabbath. Now, let me just say that whenever people talk about the Sabbath, almost always they'll begin by saying, well, I'm the worst person to talk about Sabbath. Like any podcast, any YouTube video, they'll almost always say that. And in reality, I actually have been, right? Because I 
always want to do a good job. I'm always very hardworking and diligent. But at the same time, I don't know really know how to disconnect. Mm-hmm. It'd be Sunday and I'd be sending emails to my boss or something and they'd be okay with that. But it's like, should I really be doing this? So I started to research the Sabbath and figure out a little bit more about, you know, why Sabbath is actually beneficial for me as a Christian, but also it's beneficial, I think, for us as a nation. It's just for society as well. There's these sociological and economic and even ecological benefits to Sabbath that I never really paid attention uh, to before because I think in the church we'll over-spiritualize the Sabbath and say, you know, Jesus is our Sabbath, you know, he's our rest. We don't really need to, to, to care about the self-care kind of thing. But at the same time, I think there are some, there's some guidance in Scripture that shows that we do need to take care of ourselves, that we do need to take time to focus on our relationship with God and to retune our identities in Christ. So there's a lot more that I can say about that, but I'm, we'll, we'll keep talking. So, <laughs> no. no, that was great. Man, that, uh, I mean, there's so much I, I want to dig into there. Um, you, you obviously, you, you found ways to, some habits that could help you rest mm-hmm. um, to unplug, or did you have to make a, make something a regular, you know, often when we talk about Sabbath, people think a certain day of the week yeah. I'm going to, well, it depends on what people think, Maybe yeah. I'm going to do nothing, or I'm yeah. going to, you know, or what does that mean not to work? How did you establish, what habits um, did you establish and did you have to do it on a routine? Like, is that, how did it, how did you make that work on a seven day routine? What, what was your practical? What did you do? Sure. Well, let me just say that I'm still learning how to do it. Okay. And I'm still a work in progress on how to do it. I'm, I'm by no means arrived or anything like that. But for me, it's, it's waking up early, spending time with the Lord, prayer and, and scripture, and just to reorient myself to who I am in Christ. I, I think it's very easy for us to get into the work week and you know, we'll, you know, make mistakes at our job or whatever. And because sometimes our identities are so tied to production and our work and the value that we get from our work, we often sometimes forget that we are children of God, that we have inherent worth and dignity. So I try to every morning remind myself of that. And then throughout the day, if, if work can become too much or, you know, I have some things going on in my, in my life, I just take what I call like a mini Sabbath hmm. and say, I'm a child of God. I'm worthy. I am loved. I am not what I do. I'm not my work and just retool my identity in Christ. And then at the same time, and my, my wife says I'm terrible about this, but I'll try and unplug from my phone at, at night. You know, having dinner with the kids, I usually just have my phone, you know, looking at emails or whatever, or I'm really curious about this thing I saw on Wikipedia. So I'm going to like look at Wikipedia again when I'm with my kids uh, and just trying not to do that. And to actually, you know, find time to rest and relax with my wife in the evenings, watch a show or just, you know, talk or have a conversation or something like that. So it's those kinds of habits during the week. And then the weekend, you know, may, may have to work a little bit on Saturdays because of the, the nature of my job, but just try and get out and, and away with the kids and try and build into them because in the end, it's, it's, it's our relationships that would matter or, or what matter in many ways. And then on Sunday, obviously, try and take time to uh, to watch a service online, to be with family, those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. still very much a work in progress, but it's really those breaks throughout the week as well as on the weekends that I've tried to build into that. And I'll say this too. I thought once I started doing that, that I would be less productive than I am. But I've actually experienced the opposite. I'm actually more productive. Like I keep reading articles about how uh, relaxation and rest and doing nothing might be the best way to prepare to do something. Like you're more productive when you have that time to rest and relax. So I've seen a lot of benefits from it. Um, still learning how to practice it well. 
Um, but those are just a few of the things that I've tried to implement in my life so far. So I relate to you a ton because um, I've got a three-year-old daughter and I've got um, a 15-week-old baby. Oh, congrats. So, That's awesome. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. And um, so I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, for us to Sabbath means, like, all right, all right, yeah. Robin, you're on changing the diapers for this yep. file. So how are you navigating that aspect of it? Um yeah, I'd just be curious. It's tough because honestly, um, I I would say that spending time with my children is part of my Sabbath, right? It, it's part of that reminding myself that, you know, other than being a, a worker, that I am a husband and a father, you know, and I get so much joy from that. So hanging out with my kids, even though it can be exhausting, it's still very satisfying uh, for me in terms of my soul. Like I, my soul is energized when I get to spend time with my kids. So it, I just got to admit that it's very, very tough to do that. But that's why those evenings when the kids go to bed, like that's when it's real restful because it's like, okay, I get to watch a show, hang out with my wife or just read a book or something like that and recharge that way. And then obviously on, on Saturday and Sunday when, they, when they're down for their nap is when I'll usually just try to, you know, read or uh, get into scripture or pray or something like that. Uh, so I, I acknowledge it's very, very difficult to Sabbath when you have kids that are as young as ours. But at the same time, I've viewed that as part of me retooling my identity as someone in Christ, but also someone who's responsible for, for caring for children as well as caring for my wife too. So. If you go six months down the road, yeah. wave a magic wand. I don't even know if we're supposed to say magic wand. Yeah. On, on <laughs> magic wand. Oh man. Yeah. And if you Here we could, go. If you could plan an <laughs> ideal Sabbath, yeah. like what would it look like? That, that's a really, really good question. Wow. At the risk of offending my wife and my kids, I would say, <laughs> well, you know, l l let me have a day. Let me let me go golfing in the morning. Um, let me have a chance to go visit uh, a national park so I can do some hiking and some relaxing and, and really just reconnect with God through nature. And then uh, let me go to a concert or something like that. If concerts are still legal, then um, let's go to a concert. Uh, let me just enjoy the music that's there. That's what I would do. And the whole time, just kind of connect through God, with God through those experiences, right? So I, I love nature. I also love music. I'm a musician. So um, there have been times when I've poured myself into music or been listening to music, and I just sense God through that. And it's such a wonderful thing. So that's what my ideal Sabbath would be. Uh, I'm, I'm nowhere near uh, implementing that, obviously, because they got, you know, kids and the reality of life kind of sets in a little bit. But at, at some point, that sounds very, very good for me. And as well, I, I'd love to give my wife a Sabbath as well, too, because, you know, dealing with kids uh, can be very, very draining sometimes. So, yeah, that's what the ideal would be, I think. <laughs> I think. Peter started talking about waving a magic wand, and I thought he was going to say, like, this is not the Sabbath you're looking for or something like that. So, <laughs> so, it's, so I'm going to jump in right there. You're just there, trying sir. to get the Star Wars I was, in there. Yeah, yeah trying I to shoe, shoehorn it in there. So, so, uh, so you know, you are you got this book, and I'm going to bring this back to rest eventually. But, sure. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to go with it. I love so it. So what uh, – so did, did Han Solo, did he shoot first? I mean, what, what <laughs> is that in your book? Well, I, I, I told Peter I really want to avoid, you know, a controversial topic, so we're going to want to avoid that one, you know. Yeah, so uh, essentially how, how that came up is uh, I saw this call for papers. There's this book series called Theology and Popular Culture that my friend Matthew Brake is just doing a great job editing. So um, what I have is a book called Theology in the Star Wars Universe, which I'm, I'm currently fin finishing up. I'm going to send it off to our copy editor here pretty soon for final stages of editing. 
Uh, but it's a collection of essays exploring the connections between theology and Star Wars. And I, I think that whenever we talk about Star Wars and the church, it's almost always like, well, you know, like the force is like the Holy Spirit or the force isn't like the Holy Spirit. We need to reject Star Wars kind of thing. But you got people who are exploring um, Christology in Star Wars, something like a Christ figure in Star Wars, you know, um, notions of, of liberation theology in Star Wars as well and different kinds of other topics. But it's, it's very scholarly, very, very heady. Um, I encourage everyone to pick it up when it's eventually published, but you, you might get bored quickly, even if you're a Star Wars fan. <laughs> so, sounds cool. But yeah, all, all the contributors are, are wonderful, um, come from different you know backgrounds, different traditions, even various parts of the world too. So I'm looking forward to seeing it in, in, in print. It's been a long time. I've been working on this for a while and, and different things that just happened in my life as well in the lives of my contributors that have, have pushed it back a little bit. But looking forward to seeing it drop hopefully next year. So, so before, does, well, before oh, yeah, you go, go ahead, Peter. Yeah. I'm, saying it, I'm saying it right now. Yep. We're going to do this. When your book comes out, <laughs> oh. you're going to come back on this podcast. Yes. And um, I don't know what the question is, but it could be like, well, why well. does... Well, you're the communications guy. We'll figure something out. You're yeah. coming back. All up. right. He's coming back. All up. right. So you heard okay. it. And, and, I'm there. and does rest make it into the book? I mean, is that as a no. theological topic? Oh, okay. no, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Unfortunately. Well, you know, well, then we'll save we'll save the rest of the conversation for that one. Then. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll that. Yeah. but I do wonder. So I was I was actually curious yeah. when you when you mentioned the theological topics that will come into the book. Um, I was curious if, if rest would because when you were talking before, yeah, I was actually wondering, like, is, you know, you talked about your own personal habits mm-hmm. for Sabbath. Um, is there, as you were digging into this, as you were digging into Sabbath, digging into rest and the importance of it, is there a place, place I guess could be either an industry or a state or maybe another country? I mean, is there some place where people do this well and how does that affect the overall society? That's a good question, because um, that gets in, into the political a little bit there. But, you know, I hear about four-day work weeks happening in other countries. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm qualified to answer that just yet. I, I do think that in the United States, like, I, I do think we do a bad job of it. You know, kind of like we said, like, no days off. Um, I do think we do need to recover the sense that resting is actually a benefit to our productivity. And I, and I think that some countries in Europe might have, have gotten that. Um, I don't think we've necessarily learned that just yet. Um, there are various pockets of, of society, I, I guess you could say, have learned how to do that. It's just, I think, in, in my own culture, in um, w- working in Christian organizations, like I think especially you know, like we do a, a very bad job of it in some ways. So, you know, again, I don't want to touch the, you know, I don't think our listeners care that there's this big theological debate about the Sabbath. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. I think even if you disagree that it comes from biblically, yeah. you can look at some social reasons on why it's important. Yeah. So the fun that I kind of want to have with you. Yeah. If Christians value grace. Yeah. We all value grace. If we all value that God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. If we all feel this way, because this is what I think what our listeners are struggling about. You have yeah. a set of this is our doctrine. Yeah. But you're telling me that Christians are the ones that struggle the most with Sabbath. Yes. Where did it come from? Well, I, I think it's just my experience, not only in, in the research that's out there, but also just my own experience, right? So being a pastor in a, in a church, you know, you, you work a lot, you know, you're working probably six or seven days a week. And I know a, a lot of pastors will take Mondays off, but I've, I've been in some spaces where 
that's actually discouraged. You know, sort of like you're working with a group of elders. And they say, well, if I have to go back to work on Monday after a day of ministry on Sunday, then you should go back to work as well, even though I think ministry can be very taxing. So that's where it comes from. I think it's a sense of uh, my own experience, but also like the research I see, see out there on pastoral burnout and a lack of resiliency. It's very easy for pastors to get burned out because you have so many different things that you have to be responsible for. And it, it's often too much for us to handle if, if we don't make time to rest, you know? Do yeah. you, does that come from the, because again, I guess, yeah. does yeah. that come from the culture that we're just American, you know, I, I hate to say this because I've got to deal with a Patriots fan over where Bill Belichick, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no days off. Yeah. Or is there like, because even, and I, I kind of want to go nerdy on you. Sure, let's do it. Like, I think about when the Puritans came. Yeah. Like, there was just this, you are going to work hard. And, oh, yeah. And like, it was taken to like the nth degree. So that's kind of, because is it, do, do pastors feel that because they know how hard the congregation's working? Or do pastors feel that because of inter and that's kind of where like we talk about grace, we talk about trusting God. Yeah, I hear these horrible cliches like let go and let God. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's like, well, let go and let God. I'm going to work seven days a week. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I think that there is a cultural aspect to it as well. Um, because with, with, with capitalism, you know, it's, there's always a lot of competition there. So if I'm not working the hardest, then my competitors are are going to come after me, right? Mm. If, if, if I'm not working my hardest in ministry, then this other church is going to grow, and I'm not. So you sort of have this competitive edge that I, I think our society kind of nurtures and nourishes too. But at the same time, we, we got to go back to Scripture, right? You know, when, when, when God tells the Jewish people, the, the Hebrews, uh, the, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy in the Ten Commandments. That means something, you mm. know? Uh, when when Jesus tells the Pharisees, you know, don't you remember when David and his band of merry men broke into the temple and ate the showbread? You know, the Sabbath, the man was not made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath made for man. Don't you remember that? So there's all these allusions to Sabbath, and there's almost the assumption within the New Testament that the, the, these communities, both Gentiles and Jews alike, were practicing Sabbath. That's why Paul doesn't necessarily address it head on because it's such it's so ingrained in, in his culture at, at that time. So I, I do think there's there's a part of, of culture, of our American culture, that nurtures and nourishes this, I got to work seven days a week to get ahead because if I don't, then, then somebody's going to uh, survive and it's not going to be me. But I also think we need to let Scripture push against that and mm. say, maybe, you know, Sabbath is not just this thing that was done in the olden days, but it's something that we actually do need to be recovering and practicing. So, yeah. yeah, no, I think that's that's great. Um, when you were you were talking about that, I was I was thinking about um, my time. So uh, there, I got I was blessed to be able to go to Israel at one point. Nice, and I was, you know, there were a lot of. There's a lot of cool sites in Israel, obviously, like yeah. especially for a Christian. But one of the things I was most impressed by uh, was on their Sabbath day, on on Friday evening when mm -hmm. the sun goes down, yeah. whether they were religious Jews or not, because there's a lot of Jewish folks who are not religious, a lot of Israelis not religious, but they, generally speaking, things quieted down. Yeah. You could tell it was Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of defined their culture and it was it was really interesting and i mean i would i think there's pretty good evidence to show that israel is one of the most productive countries in the world i mean they're yeah. they they have to be yeah um and yet 
they still take time for the Sabbath. That really left an impression on me, which is why I think this is so fascinating. You know, the idea that if our bodies need rest, if God created our bodies to need rest, then we actually will be more productive uh, with the, you know, if you want to do it in days of the week, we'll be more yeah. more productive with six days of activity with one day of rest than you will be with seven days of activity. It's just an interesting, yeah. interesting concept. What do you think about that? Well, you know, as, as, as you were talking, I, like I was thinking about, you know, in Genesis, you know, God works six days, this very good creation, then he takes the seven day, seventh day off. You know, the God that doesn't need rest chooses to rest, right? And, and, and that's a pattern that you see throughout the Old Testament and even the New as as well. Uh, so to me, it it seems as though if we're if we're people created in the image of God, and this is a God that chooses to rest even though He doesn't have to, we're created because we we do need rest, we need to sleep. Then I think it makes sense that if we choose to practice Sabbath and to rest and relax and care for our bodies and our souls in that way, then we're going to see more fruit from that. Mm-hmm. And I and I I think that there's research out there that suggests that. You know, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day. It's like being productive starts with doing nothing. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. Yeah. We're going to have to share that. I So we, I mean, the three of us are parents. Mm-hmm. You know, we're married. We have kids. I, the majority of our audience is like in their 20s, yeah. like a 24-year-old. Yeah. And and so, I, you know, I've done some research on Generation Z. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a millennial. Sure. You're a millennial too, yeah. and we're we're adopting Aaron into I'm millennial. The, I'm the old guy. <laughs> stop, I mean, stop! I just missed the millennial boat. Yeah. So, so you know, there's research out there that says millennials and Gen Zs are like the hardest working generations. Oh yeah. And yeah. like, I can hear like, well, my sons, you know, and my daughter. So yeah. Like, there's one hand where I feel like there's this bad rap of, you know, I'm gonna take me time. I want to work from home. But then there's like this other side that I work from home. I could go 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. without even thinking about it. How do you talk to the 20-somethings and the college students knowing that there's these polar opposite views? Probably the truth is somewhere in the middle. I don't know. How are you kind of engaging that with Sabbath? It's a really, really good good question. Well, what I'm finding is, is, is that this generation, our generation, um, actually – cares about self-care more than even previous generations to some extent, recognizing that if I overwork, I'm going to burn out and that's going to cause all different kinds of trouble. So when it comes to Sabbath, I actually think that our generation, even though it's the most hardworking, also recognizes that you need to care for the whole person. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was in a, um, a, an online course the other day where one of the presenters was saying that, that, that the future of the workplace will have a, an emphasis on self-care and understanding the worker as a human being as opposed to just a worker, right? It's not someone who just who just produces, but also somebody who needs to, to be built into and someone who actually does need to rest and relax and kind of recover um, their, their identities as human beings, right? So I, I think we, we work hard, but I think we also recognize that there's a component there. But I would also say, too, that if you're not building those habits in to, to take time with your family, with your friends, with God, to build into yourself, to just relax and, and recover who you are as a human being, then I, I think those effects will be detrimental not down the road, you know, mm. burnout, those kinds of things, right? So we recognize it. We're hardworking, but we also know that the future of work is actually caring for people as human beings. Mm. So, yeah. No, you go. Yeah, uh, go I'm going to go controversial here. So. Oh, do it. All right. Well, do it. I'm going to step so, back. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I, 
I'm going to quote a friend who will remain nameless. Sure. And he's going to be like, he would hear all of that. You know, yeah. there's a number of friends and he'd probably use a term like Mamby Pamby. I don't know if like that's cold, <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, y'all a bunch of Mamby Pambies. And yeah. I mean, what would you say to some of the older generation? And I'm not trying to be pejorative because I, sure. I think beyond the political incorrectness or whatever, there's something to be said of like, yeah. hey, get over yourself. But I also feel like there's a misunderstanding of the different sort of pressure that wasn't there 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very good question. And I'll, I'll lean into the controversy as well. So I, I always talk with people about this, like people in my parents' generation, my, my in-laws' generation, you graduate from college, you work the same job for 30 years and you retire. People in our generation work several different kinds of jobs. I mean, I, I can't even count on the hand. I mean, I've been a pastor. I've been a research assistant. I, I've worked in retail. Like I... There's all these different kinds of jobs that that I think we have right now. It's the function of our economy and in the way that our economy has developed over time through different circumstances. So what I would say to that is like it's a completely different place right now than we even were in the past. And I'm not saying that you need to not work a 50-hour work week. I'm just saying you have to build these rhythms of rest and Sabbath into your week. Um, and all the Lord asks for is just a day in the Old Testament. Remember the Sabbath day, 24 hours mm -hmm. out of 168 hours. It's like, is that so much to give to further your relationship with God, but also care for yourself as a human being and also care for your neighbor and caring for your creation as well? Because it says in Deuteronomy, I have it right here in front of me. It's like, neither your servants, nor your oxes, nor your donkeys, or any of your animals, or anybody residing in your towns will do anything. They're going to rest as you do. Mm. So there's almost a societal, ecological, eco economic aspect to it all as well. So it's not much to give. Um, but I also would say that we have sort of different circumstances in our society today that weren't there, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So for to, to jump off that point, for those yeah. who are listening right now or, or watching on YouTube, uh, right now a lot of folks might be thinking, okay, how can I adjust my schedule to be more productive by resting. Yeah. Um, how do I build those habits? How do I keep myself from being burned out? Yeah. But as those people uh, who want to become the, the next leaders, yeah. what can they do to be building into their own leadership development to do what you just said, to make sure that those who come after them are not burning themselves out? Like what, what sort of responsibilities do you see in all this for those who are becoming leaders or who are leaders now, whether that's in the academic world or that's in the church world or the business world, how can you honor Sabbath in those places, in those places of leadership? Yeah. So, so what comes to mind is vacation days. So I was reading an article a few years ago, uh, don't quote me on this, but the average American works like 50 hours a week and refuses to take vacation because they're afraid that if they lose a, a, a moment of work, then they're going to lose their job. Mm -hmm. So I think as leaders, as managers, as employers, we have a responsibility to say, hey, look, it's okay to take a day off. It's okay to take a vacation. Don't be afraid to use that those vacation days. We give them to you for a reason. If you use those vacation days, you're going to come back well-rested and you're going to contribute to the organization even more. So I think it's recognizing that if you give those the space for vacation, if you give permission to have days off and take a Sabbath, then I think you're going to see the rewards of that, as opposed to saying you got to work all the time and then wondering why your employees are disgruntled or burned out or something right. like that.
Yeah. And I'll, and also say say this too is like whenever we talk about Sabbath, we almost always look at it through the lens of economic privilege, right? So people who have the ability to work seven days a week, but we also have to remember there's people who a can't work or um, are out of work as well. So I just want to throw that in there, saying it's like there's a almost a, a privilege aspect to talking about Sabbath in these kinds of terms. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. I so I kind of want to go here. I want to come back to the 24. I I think that that's great. We do have a LinkedIn following, and I think that's a great question even to yeah. link there. But so I work for an organization. Yeah. And Aaron and I. Um, you know, we actually just talked about this this morning. We, so my day off is Thursday. Excellent. Um, Aaron's day off is, you know, on the weekend. He works more kind of traditional hours, sure, so to speak. Um, so like our joke is like, if we have to, you know, say I'm so sorry it's Thursday. Yeah. And for me, I even joked with him. I said, hey, like I saved all the emails for Monday, and he's like, <laughs> I saw them all in my inbox. <laughs> yeah. So. If you're not the CEO or the CEO or the boss, what are practical tips, even from your experience, mm -hmm. that you would say, hey, this is how you can do this without being a jerk or mm -hmm. without coming across, like, what would that look like in a job? Well, I've been terrible about this, but what, I, what I've been trying to do recently is just to put my vacation responder on and saying, hey, I, I will not be responding to emails until tomorrow or even a couple days from now. Mm. But if you need to reach me, you know, you can send an email, you can send an email or you can text me if it's absolutely urgent. And I think people understand when things are urgent or not. Like I, I actually do, do think that people grasp that. Um, like if it's a project that's not due for many, many months and you're just kind of getting started with it, that's not really urgent. But if it's something that, you know, has to be taken care of right away, I think people know that that's urgent. So that's probably one thing that I would say. And, I, and, I, and I'd also say that you need to have regular conversations with people and say, hey, look, this is the rhythm that I've built into my week, just so we understand what's the rhythm that you've built into your week, because this mm -hmm. is important that we need to take care of, of ourselves and steward one another's Sabbaths as well. So, okay, well, well I know that I'm not going to uh, email Peter on Thursday because that's his day off, but this can probably wait till Friday, or I might actually just try and get it in there on Wednesday if I can. So yeah, something like that. It's being intentional about saying, you know, what is actually urgent, but then also saying, how are you stewarding your life? What's the rhythm of your life? Let me know that so I can help you steward that better. Mm. Yeah. yeah sounds, so there's some good, those are good giving and receiving um, tips there of you can, you can help other people um, yeah. with Sabbath. Um, you can help yourself by not checking your email or whatever, yeah. um, but it's, I know that's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> it is, it is. But like, like, like you say, the giving, receiving. So let me just read this passage from Deuteronomy here, because yep. whenever we talk about Sabbath, we almost always go Exodus 20. It's like, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, and that's it, right? But he, he, here's what it says in Deuteronomy 5. So it's, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So there's a community component, you know, caring for your servants and the people under your care. There's an ecological component, caring for the animals that, you, that, that work for you, essentially, as, in, as much as there is that self-care component, remembering 
that 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 the that the that, that the Hebrews were in a state of slavery, where they were being enslaved by Pharaoh, worked to the bone seven days a week, and God saying, "That's not how I'm going to do things." So there is a community aspect to Sabbath. So so when I say stewarding other people's Sabbaths, I think that's absolutely important and respecting that that's the decision that you've made to take Thursday off. You know. Well, yeah. you know, I, I want to come back to uh, Aaron's question because he asked yeah. kind of. Um, I thought he asked it in a great way, mm-hmm. and you've kind of answered it twice, but I, I, I want to be, like, really, really specific. Yeah. Because, again, I'm thinking of our LinkedIn audience. Sure, yeah. They're all bosses. Yeah. And, you know, we all come in and say, we're going to be awesome boss. Like, no one says, yeah. I want to be a terrible CEO. Yeah. But we all do things. And you've kind of hinted, hey, let's try try to figure out our own schedules and stuff. If you were talking to directly to someone that's a C-level person and saying not just the economic reasons, what are practical steps that you would encourage them to model the way to lead in this, especially if they f- they're they listening to this and they go, yeah, there's probably a better way to do this. Yeah. I would say that you need to take a vacation. Most likely you need to use your vacation days. You need to build this into your schedule. You need to let your employees know, I'm going to take this day off and be with my family. I need to take it. You, you need to take a day off to go be with your family, go for a hike, go play golf, whatever that kind of thing. Uh, you do need to take those self care days and let your employees know that you're doing it to say to give them permission to. Because you know, as as you know, if if you employ people, then if you give yourself permission to do those kinds of things, they're they're, they're going to feel more permission to do that as well. So I think you just need to be upfront about your own self care and the things that you need and inspiring your employees to actually follow your lead. I think that's a great, what you just said is great. I've, and, I've, and I've seen that. I've yeah. seen that in organizations where um, the head of the organization, whether it's a president or a boss or whatever the case yeah. may be, but when that person sets the example by saying, I'm going to be out of touch. Yeah. If it's urgent, I mean, if yeah. it's really urgent, you know how to get me, but yeah. I'm gonna be out of touch. Yeah. And that gives everyone else the permission to say, okay, this is something that this person values I don't have to be scared about it, yeah, you know. Exactly. Um, and and you know, have you from from what you have looked at? I mean, I think you've already said this, but it seems to me like that's good for individuals to be the best version of themselves that they are. But um, I mean, maybe you have some examples of organizations where it has it's helped the organization as a whole. Like, does it make the organization better as a whole? You've mentioned societies and even. Um, you know, you mentioned ecology, like the land area and whatnot, but how about like organizations? Have you seen that? In- well, yeah. Northeastern Seminary, Northeast- Roberts, <laughs> Wesleyan College. Uh, right. Well, you know. Round we, Cross we, Community Church. We, yeah. we love our sponsors. So anyways, but yeah. I just, I had to throw that in there. Well, you know, um, well, like without going into detail, but just, but, but just think if you had happier individuals who were well-rested, right. who took care of themselves in their relationship with God, they treat people better. Uh, they would know that they could take care of themselves if they need to, that they can be honest with their bosses or their employers and saying, hey, I actually do need to take care of some things and having bosses be okay with that. Just the other day, uh, I had to take a day off and I let, I actually have two bosses there at, at Roberts and Northeastern. I let both of them know. I, I said, I have to take this day off. I need to take care of some things related to my family. Both of them were like, great, go do it. No problem. Why are you telling me this kind of thing? You know, which, which I absolutely love. It's like, great. It's permission for me to take a day off to take care of my family, to just get some rest and relaxation. And because ultimately, you know, that's going to make you a more productive employee. And e- even after I had my um, not sleeping, not eating, that kind of episode, I remember telling uh, one of my bosses at the time, 
uh, I said, I'm going to go go home into Michigan to be with my family for a couple of days. I'm going to take my my two and a half year old son at the time and we're just going to go be with my family. And he's like, absolutely. You need that. It's been a stressful year. You need that. So imagine if your boss told you that, you know, imagine if you felt the freedom to be able to do that when you need to. Like I. I can only think of good things happening in an organization, right? And like I said, I'll repeat it over and over again, you're more productive when you take that time off to build into yourself and take a Sabbath. Mm. Well, I mean, going back, I'm going to push you a little bit. I mean, is there an organization besides Browncroft, Northeastern, and Roberts (laughs) that uh, you think, uh, you know, is modeling this very well? Well, I actually don't know, actually. I actually haven't done that kind of research. My own research and understanding of Sabbath has been based on scripture. Mm -hmm. So that's been where I've studied. It's like, you know, uh, how much of a responsibility do we as Christians have to follow a Sabbath? You know, what did Jesus mean when he said that that man wasn't made for the Sabbath, that Sabbath was made for man? So that's been the focus of my study and understanding of Sabbath. But in terms of uh, organizations that are good examples of this, I haven't actually dug into that. So maybe your listeners can let me know of a great organization that does that, other than Browncroft and Roberts and Northeastern. I, l- so. I love that. <laughs> Sounds like a social media post. Yeah, let's do it. Done. Get people to Ma- engage. Maybe you work for that organization that actually does this really well. I'd love there to hear go. about it. Yeah. And uh, self-contractors, count you somewhat count, but yeah. I just want to let you know if you work in your one individual. Anyways, that's, yeah. I don't know why I said that, but yeah. I just wanted to make sure I clarify. <laughs> it's like Peter Engler Consulting. I do a great job, but yeah. anyways. <laughs> Well, we always close with this question. I think you've teed us up really well for this, which okay. is, you know, what does Jesus have to say about this topic? Mm. So if Jesus was here today in the 21st century. So the neat thing about having a professor and someone that works in academia is I answer the question with Aaron and then you kind of clean it up. So if we have any heresy in there, perfect. you know, that's the way well, we people go. think I'm a heretic sometimes too. So just there's, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we lower just, those expectations. Uh, you know, we, you know, it says that it's the 11th commandment, like under, under promise over deliver. That's We're, right. That's right. That's right. In third Peter uh, one, three, but exactly. anyways. Oh man. <laughs> We're going down, going Love down it. fast. We're good. Who's going first, me or you? Whichever one you want for you. I'll let the spirit lead you. You decide. All right, I'll go for it. Um, uh, I'll let you rest for a minute. Um, I see what you did. That's there. good. I'm trying oh, to. I'm trying to honor you. Good. I'm trying to honor you. You have your little stu- steward that minute of Sabbath. Yes, has, right? a Sabbath moment. Yeah. There you go. Um, no, I, I, I think that this is a very. I think said this at the beginning. I think it's a really important conversation for for us. Um, for people within the church, people not in the church. I mean, it doesn't, whether you're, wherever the listener is at right now, um, I think that this idea of Sabbath of rest is really important. And I do think, um, I mean, God commands us to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus honored that. He did challenge the um, pharisaical views on the Sabbath, um, which were all, you know, very, there are a lot of rules that were going on there, but he, um, he was Lord of the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and he wants us to have rest. He calls us to come to himself mm-hmm. to have Amen. rest. Amen. And I think that that's something we should take seriously. Oh, and, yeah. and in our country, I mean, every I think every society has things that they struggle with. And in our society, one of the things we struggle with, and you hit on this too, is rest. We, yeah. we want to go, 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 and then we wonder why we're killing ourselves, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, with our, we run out of energy, we burn out, we just... So I think that uh, this is something we really do need to dig into more. So that's my thought. No, that's good. I, um, you know, it's hard because, you know, Sabbath is so focused in the scripture. It's not like grace where there's a ton, but 
Um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, like what we've kind of brought up and hinted at that Jesus took time to rest. Mm -hmm. Jesus took time away. Yeah. And I, I think this is my opinion and maybe it's personal. We're just not strategic enough to do it. Mm. Like it takes work to have a Sabbath. So I'd like to grow in kind of spending more time with my family, spending more time with my wife and not every time I go home thinking about, we need to mow the lawn, do all this. So even this morning, I was thinking about this question. I created a Google Doc nice. with, you know, all seven days kind of asking what meal are we going to have? What chores are we going to do? What events outside of work? And it's funny if we would take the energy from our job to organize home, what would that do? And that's kind mm-hmm. of the, just even the confession in myself, yeah. why I don't experience Sabbath because yeah you know, Aaron will tell you, you know, I try to be super planned and organized here. And then I get home and I'm like, oh, why didn't it happen? So, yeah, you know, I think that that's even whether you're de-churched or unchurched or you're questioning, like Sabbath is something that you can relate to. And even just reorienting your life, I think you could experience Jesus in a new way. So that's that's my thoughts. It's good stuff. So uh, just a couple responses there. First of all, good job. This is wonderful. Second of all, there's a great book out there that I'm reading. It's called Sabbath as Resistance, Saying No to a Culture of Now by Walter Brueggemann. I think it was published like seven years ago. And, mm. and his his argument is that Sabbath is an act of resistance. It's an alternative reality to the overproduction in society. And he kind of goes back into uh, like the Hebrews being, you know, liberated from slavery in Egypt and how the whole system of of, of Egypt was, was around Pharaoh's uh, over like he he wanted the hebrews to overproduce he wanted them to build bricks for his storehouses and the gods of egypt were the ones that actually fueled the flames of that right so it really is a resistance to that kind of overproduction that you get it's an alternative reality that we build in a capitalist consumerist kind of society so i'd encourage you all to read that your listeners to, to read that and engage with it some points he makes you know uh, p- folks might disagree with but i think the point is well taken that this actually has more significance and more bite than just taking a day off, Mm. uh, at least from the Old Testament. But also say this too, whenever we talk about Jesus and the Sabbath, we always point to, well, the Pharisees are like, well, like, why are you doing this on the Sabbath? You know, and he always says, uh, you know, don't you remember when David and his mighty men broke into the, into the temple and brought the showbread? Uh, And the punchline for us, I think as evangelicals is always like, well, we don't have to follow those kinds of laws anymore. But you got to listen to what Jesus is saying. Like, what did David and his men do? They took care of themselves. Mm. They ate food. I'm not saying you got to break into church and steal, you know, communion food or whatever, something like that. I'm saying it's like they took care of themselves on the Sabbath. And that's why he says, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath made for man mm. as well. So yeah. there's almost that self-care that Jesus encourages us. There's the worship, there's the prayer, there's the disciplines, there's the, the rest, but it's also the self-care of making sure that we're eating right, that we're resting well, that we're taking care of ourselves because we're people created in the image of God. And to be frank, we're, we're not meant to work seven days a week, mm. you know? Now, I'll say this too. Like I said, we often look at Sabbath through the lens of economic privilege. There are people who have to work that much to put food on the table for their family. So I'm going to say that. But but at the same time, I, I think for those of us who, who, who do work, um, who don't have to work seven days a week, that it's paramount to us to actually show a better way that our trust and our hope is in God. Mm. And we're going to take care of ourselves um, as, as a way to honor ourselves, but also to honor God as well. And ultimately, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our rest. 
but that doesn't preclude us from us the possibility of taking care of ourselves and actually getting physical rest. So, yeah. Well, that's really good. And uh, Pastor Rob and our former executive pastor, Sam Huey, actually gave us that book. Uh, oh, really? Nice. Staff. So there we go. Good, good. Hey, Browncroft approved. Browncroft yeah. approved. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, NES and uh, Roberts approved too. So uh, where can people find you? If they wanted to find you online, we're going to tag you and all that. Sure, stuff. sure, sure. Well, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Ben Espinosa. Not, not quite Twitter. Like I try to get into Twitter sometimes, but haven't quite done that. Uh, but yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Shoot me an email too. Happy to share my email too. How's your MySpace working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's great. If you uh, MySpace if you, is on a permanent rest. Yeah, yeah. Well, if yeah, you yeah. if you <laughs> show, Sabbath, yeah. if you show up in his MySpace, you might be in his top five. Exactly. Anyways, uh, Subscribe to our email. That is the best way to get a hold of us. You won't miss this episode. Uh, com. Ben, thanks for sharing, uh, coming with us. Thank you, Browncroft, NES, and Roberts. <laughs>